What a song. If you would just bow your heads for just a moment. This morning with no one looking around, if you just slip up your hand, if you just say that you're ready to just give it all to him this morning. With these lifted hands. Lord, you see those hands. Father, I just pray over each and every one that, Father, as we strive to live a life, Father, that's totally surrendered to you, Father, that you would strengthen us, you would help us and protect us as, Father, I know the enemy likes to attack. Father, this morning we surrender all to you. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful day it is if you'll take God's word and open to Acts chapter 13. As we begin to move today in Acts chapter 13 is a very pivotal point in Acts because we're going to be seeing a major shift happen here. We've been seeing uh, Peter leading and Jesus had ascended to heaven, but at this point, we're going to see a change from Jerusalem being the center of the church and what's going on, a shift to it being Antioch being the center. And we're also seeing a shift from Peter as the leader to Paul as the new leader. So a major shift coming up here in Acts 13. And this is taking place around 48 AD, uh, about 48 years after Jesus's birth and about six years after Barnabas has brought Paul to Antioch. So we're at a, a major shifting point here. And I want you to stand with me as we look at Acts chapter 13, beginning in Verse 1, if you would stand and follow along. It says, Now they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, who has been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch of Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they had reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Patmos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sagirius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, why will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, 
and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray now that you would open our hearts to hear from you and our eyes, Lord, to behold wonderful things from your word. Father, would you speak through me this morning? Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A mighty hand of God is at work in what we're looking at today. But you know, I see so much in these verses exactly how things happen today. The Lord begins to move and the Lord stirs up. People begin to move and when that happens, we begin to see the devil come in and the devil wants to begin to attack. He wants to bring in false truths and when that happens and people rely on the Lord that are called by him, we begin to see the Lord move in a mighty way. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. The first part of our verses today, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. There's no one else working here but the Holy Spirit. And the attention is given to him. We see that there were those men there. And it said, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've been called. In that verse 1, we begin to see that there is a church in Antioch and there are five key leaders. There are five prophets and teachers. First of all, we see the name Barnabas. And then we see Simeon. And his nickname was Niger, which means the black one. So they believe he was probably from Africa. You see Lucius from Cyrene. He is probably believed to be one of the founding fathers of the church there at Antioch. And then Manion, who was possibly a friend or adopted foster brother of Herod Antipodus. And I found that one very interesting because Herod Antipodus is the one that beheaded John the Baptist. And he was at at least to say he was an intimate friend with him, but now... We see that he's been converted and he's a leader at the church in Antioch. And then fifth but not last, Saul that we call Paul. Find it interesting here too that he listed him last, but yet he's fixing to become first. What we need to know about these men is it called them prophets and teachers and they were there and they were ministering to the Lord. That ministering to the Lord would be they were in a time of devoted prayer to the Lord. They were seeking the Lord for something, and they were fasting. They were definitely seeking a special answer. And these men would be what we would probably call today foretellers more than foretellers. Well, what's the difference? Foretellers are proclaiming the news that is at hand. They were proclaiming God's gospel the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Lord Messiah. They were not necessarily foretelling. They wasn't prophesying into the future, whereas that might have happened some, but they were primarily carrying on the message. And their job as prophets and teachers, the prophet would get a a word from the Lord and the teachers were there teaching in the different churches in the different areas. They were laying the foundation for the new believers in the doctrine of the faith. Word, some people don't like doctrine. Sometimes you can claim that that gets a little dry. 
But you know, doctrine of the faith is very important because that's what you believe, what you stand on. So what better thing for these teachers to be doing but traveling and going into where the Lord has already ministered and there's new converts coming and they're proclaiming God's message and new people are coming to the Lord. Well, they've got to have someone to teach them because they need to know what they're standing on. What is your foundation? That's what the doctrine is. The foundation, teaching them where to stand, teaching them how to do it. You know, we see that another place in the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. If you want to turn there, it should be on the screens. Uh, we see that these things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, as believers, when we first come to the Lord, we are babies, we are infants, we are sucklings on the milk. But we have a responsibility and we should allow Holy Spirit to teach us. And as we study God's word and we sit under and we learn our doctrine, we're to grow as Christians so that we're able to teach others what the doctrine is. If someone has been sitting in a church for 40 years and they don't know any doctrine and there's nothing that they can teach someone else about the Lord, then evidently they've had their ears closed for 40 years. It's our job to grow and to mature. And you have these five men leading this church, ministering to the Lord, spending dedicated time in prayer. And one of them being a prophet heard from the Lord, we don't know which one, and said, Set aside for me Barnabas and Paul, a calling on their life. We see that in people who surrender into the ministry. God puts a call on their life. Well, this was a, a prophet saying what the Holy Spirit was speaking as the Lord said to them, Set apart to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Not the church, but the Lord had called them for a very special purpose, and that was to take the message into the Roman Empire and begin to share the gospel more and more with the Gentiles. A very special message, a pivotal point, as I mentioned earlier in Acts, and it says that when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. We see that if you've ever been to an ordination service of a deacon or a pastor and you'll see the different ones come by and lay hands. You know, it's nothing special about their hands, nothing special about my hands. It's a symbol that they're laying on of hands and praying and sending them out in the name of the Father. But I find very interesting also that when they went, they took with them John. It tells us there in verse 5, that would be John Mark. That's Barnabas's brother, excuse me, Barnabas's cousin. He went out to help, possibly be a secretary to do whatever help they needed. So the three of them began to make their journey out. And this would be called by some Paul's first missionary journey. And where did they go? But they left to go to Cyprus. Why Cyprus? I mean, of all the places they could go, Cyprus. You know, Cyprus was the hometown of Barnabas. Is that the reason they went there first? Don't know. 
your guess is as good as mine, probably. He would have a great connection there. He would have an opening in to be able to uh, meet people. But they made their way first when they left Antioch to Seleucia. That's the port city because they needed to get on a boat and voyage about 164 miles across the Mediterranean to get to Cyprus. And the first place they land there was Salamis. Great place to go. Largest city in Cyprus. Port city. Lot going on. What a great place to enter in and to begin to proclaim the message of God. But what do we see? It tells us there in um, verse 5 that when they had reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. Every city that was large enough would have a synagogue in it. That's where the Jews would be able to go and worship. The Jews would be able to go and to learn their Jewish tradition. They would be able to go in and maybe have a a solitude, an area of being with like people and not being persecuted. But if you notice that Barnabas and Paul went first to the synagogue to where the Jews were. There was already some Jews there. But do you know as you read and if you can begin to map things out, that was Paul's custom. Paul would always, when he entered into a city, the first place he would go is to the Jews. And he would begin to proclaim the message to them until they rejected it. And then he would go out into the Gentiles. Romans 1.16 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that was Paul's custom. So we see they've had their hands laid on them. The Holy Spirit is at work. They've been sent out on a missionary journey. They have now have traveled those 164 some odd miles across the Mediterranean. They've come in to Cyprus. And they begin to proclaim the message. Many are there. And also the proconsul. He would be the ruler for them from the Roman Empire. He was there, and he tells us in verse 7 that he was a man of intelligence. And he was curious, what is this message that Barnabas and Paul is talking about? So being a wise man, he summoned them, but there was someone there who did not want him to hear that message. While the Bible calls him in verse 8, Elimus, it says, But Elimus the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from them. We see the Holy Spirit at work, and as soon as that begins happening, the second thing on your outline is the attack of the devil. You know, we might could call him, they calling him Elimus here. Fully led, I believe, by the devil. He is trying to attack them. He's wanting to keep them. He's opposing them. And this was in, they had made their way now to the town of Patmos, which was the capital of Cyprus. 
And that's where this ruling leader was that wanted to hear the message. And he was being attacked. Bar Jesus, the son of Jesus, this guy did not want this to happen. So he began to attack. What is a magician? They said he was a magician. Let me read to you one of the definitions I found. It's a person who uses or claims to use magical spells to harness evil forces or spirits in order to produce unnatural effects in the world. Let's step back just a minute. This is not the magician of our day and time that pulls out his cards and does a little card trick. Or many of y'all might remember David Copperfield. He could fly and he could do all these things. There was gimmicks behind all of this, but this magician in their day were people who would harness evil forces and spirits. That's exactly what he was doing right here is he was attacking And it says there that he was opposing them, seeking to turn the council away from the faith. He was a false prophet, it tells us in verse uh, 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Patmos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus. I want you to remember that, Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. Because we're going to hear another bar in just a minute. But the attack of the devil. But you know what happens as a born-again believer? What we need to do when that happens is the calling out of the truth. Paul didn't just let him run over them. He didn't step back and be a weak little man. But Paul stood up. Let's look there at verse 9. It says, but Saul, which is Paul who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you who are full of deceit and fraud. Now remember, Bar-Jesus was son of Jesus. Now he changes it here and he says, son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Paul's calling him out, you're wrong. You're a false prophet. He's calling him the son of the devil. He denounced the false prophet because he was distorting the word of God. Anyone who distorts and changes the word of God and does not proclaim the truth is a false prophet. We can add as much of a little bit of the truth or as much as the truth, but if there's false in it, someone who is constantly preaching that, there's an issue there at hand, and they need to be called out. In verse 10, we see there where he changed it from son of Jesus to son of the devil. You remember in Acts 5 when Ananias and Sapphira sold the property. People were selling property and donating all the money. Ananias and Sapphira sold their property and they brought some of the money. Ananias came in first and he gave the money and said, this is all of it. You remember what happened? Paul called judgment on him and instantly he died right there. 
It wasn't because he didn't bring all of it. It was because he said he brought all of it. Then Sapphira came in and she agreed with the same story and the same thing happened. She instantly died. We see here Paul again calling out on the truth. And it said right there at verse 11, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Paul, being led by the Spirit, had had enough of this false teacher. And he listened to Holy Spirit, I believe, and he called out as a prophet and told him, because of what you're doing and you won't stop, basically to show you for a period of time, you're going to be blind. And it wasn't weeks later, instantly a mist and a darkness fell over him and he could not see. Because of that, verse 12 says, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. A mighty hand of God has been at work throughout this entire 12 verses. The hand of God through Holy Spirit speaking to call Barnabas and Paul aside to lay hands on them, to send them out as missionaries, the Holy Spirit leading. The hand of God protecting them as they travel across the ocean, as they begin to share the stories, excuse me, across the sea, and as they begin to share the story of Jesus Christ. As this magician comes upon them and begins to try to turn their truth away, he begins talking to the pro-council, trying to change his mind to keep it from happening. The mighty hand of God still allows them to speak. And then the mighty hand of God falls down on this magician and he becomes blind. The mighty hand of God at work. This, as it called him, a smart man or a wise man, a, a knowledgeable man, saw that there was something different about Paul and Barnabas and the message that they were proclaiming as he saw the power of God at work changed his life. You know, we all go through this. The Lord begins to work, stir in your life. You begin to move, you get on fire, you begin to spend time in God's word. You begin to grow, and it doesn't take long before the attack of the devil kicks in. He wants to begin to fill your head full of lies. He wants to begin to try to persuade you another way. I find how amazing it is you can't go to sleep at night, pick up God's word and start reading it and see how quick you'll fall asleep. You got to get up in the morning and spend time in the Lord. Find out how hard it is to get up in the morning. 
Whatever time it is, find how difficult it begins to spend that time with God. Find out how quick the telephone begins to ring. Find out how quick this or that begins to happen because as the Holy Spirit is moving, the devil wants to attack. That's his job. You know, if the Holy Spirit's not working in your life, the devil's probably not attacking you because he's not going to waste his time. So if you're not having any attacks at all and life has been perfect for you for years, you might just need to check it. I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you what I've seen in my personal life and what I see in God's word. But as they begin to move and in our life, as Holy Spirit begins to move and we begin to grow, the attacks are going to come. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. We can get through it. Paul and Barnabas got through it. We know that because there's many more missions that Paul goes on, many more missionary journeys. And because they stood their ground in their faith and they listened to the power of the Holy Spirit, the pro-council believed what they were saying. They were different. You know, as a born-again believer, we're all called to be holy. God says we're holy. We're set apart. We're to be different. Well, that's all good and great. How do we deal with the attack? Because it's going to come when Holy Spirit's moving. I want to give you four R's this morning on how to deal with the attack. Number one, remember you are called by God. I'll give you a moment to get out of piece of paper and a pen some of you are writing there number one remember you are called by god remember as we began here that the holy spirit said set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work to which i've called them if you're a born again believer remember you are called by god secondly realize that it is the devil that is attacking. It's not the telephone. It's not the job. It's nothing else. It might be disguised in many of these ways, but it's the devil that's ta attacking. Third, you need to renounce the lies of the devil. Each of us get attacked in different ways. Different lies come our way. Everybody at one point in time's probably heard the one because we're remembering we're called by God. God doesn't love you. God didn't call you. What you're reading is not true. You need more sleep. You need more exercise. Whatever how it is, renounce. You've got to realize that it's a devil attacking and that they're lies and you need to renounce the devil. And fourth, reclaim the truth in your life. Jesus Christ is truth. God's word is truth. Anything that is contrary, contradictory to this word is false. Anything in this word is truth. You must reclaim the truth in your life. Paul, knowing he was called by God, sent out by God, 
fixed his gaze straight at that magician and basically renounced what he was doing. He denounced him. And in our life, we've got to remember we're called by God, realize that it's the devil attacking, renounce the lies of the devil, and reclaim the truth in your life. You do those four R's when you're being attacked, and I promise you when you get to number four, the devil's going to take his little tail, stick it between his legs, and run like a scalded dog because he doesn't like the truth. The mighty hand of God at work in Acts 13, 1 through 12, 48 years or so after Christ's death, is the same mighty hand of God that is at work in each and every one of your lives. May you bow your heads.